Good morning. Greet you in the lovely name of Jesus this morning. I uh, I would appreciate your continued prayer. And uh, there's a lot of things in in life that can rattle you and uh, keep your mind from from working a hundred percent. And I've had some of those in my life in the last number of months. And um, some days it just sort of gets hard to study. So, but I I um, am comforted when I I begin to see how things fit together. Um, the um, that memory verse: If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. You know that is just uh, it's a verse that just keeps coming to my mind has been keep coming to my mind over the last number of weeks. In fact, it was sort of a surprise to me that it was a memory verse this morning. But uh, God has his way of, of uh, doing things. Well, um, there, was a, there was a conversation I had with somebody on Facebook, and, and, and uh, I thought that was the direction I was going with the sermon. And, and, and looking at that concept, I ended up at another verse and uh, I'm not sure if the two even fit together, so I'm just going to leave them apart. But I'd like to take you to uh, Mark chapter 12. And um, just reading this passage again this morning. And... Uh, I think we'll just start reading and um, and in verse twenty-eight. Now Jesus had been having this conversation with with the scribes and Pharisees and uh, the Sadducees, and um, so he, he had been answering their questions. And uh, verse twenty-eight, one of the scribes came and, having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well and asked him, "Which is the first commandment of all?" And Jesus answered him, "The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength." This is the first commandment, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one, but there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. I think we'll stop there. So the scribe came, and, and he, he asked Jesus, What is the most important commandment? And uh, Jesus gives... He, he gives this familiar verse. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
Now, he also went on to say, and your neighbor as yourself. And I'll let somebody else unpack that one next time. <clears throat> but I would like to unpack that first part this morning a little bit. I would like us to consider what it means to love God entirely. To love God entirely. You know, I, I, it's sort of been my observation that we as Christian people tend to want to love God this way, but then neglect this way. You know, or we want to love him this way, and we ne neglect it this way. And I'd like to think about what it means to love God entirely, completely, with every part of us. What are these different things that he's talking about? So the first one he says is to love God with all your heart. It is the, uh, it's the word cardia, the one that you might get cardiac arrest from, you know. Um, the, the, uh, but I think in, in the minds especially of people in that time, the, the heart was considered to be the, the, the center of everything. And um, while we understand that it maybe isn't the center of everything, yet in our mind when we think about doing something from the heart, in, in our mind it still is the center of everything. There is a, uh, in, in, my, in my reading, there was this little piece I'd like to read to you says, so the heart is where you think and make sense of the world. In the Bible, the heart is where you feel emotions. You feel pain in your heart, like Hannah did when she couldn't have children. In fact, the phrase, a broken heart, comes from biblical Hebrew. You also experience fear in your heart. Your heart can melt or be distressed. Your heart can even be depressed. But then on the flip side, your heart is where you experience joy. In Hebrew, to be happy is to be good of heart or to have a heart of joy. It is also the center of your intellect and emotional life, and there's more. In biblical Hebrew, the heart is where you make choices motivated by your desires. So David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Your heart is where your affections are centered. They are called the desires of your heart. And so... When we talk about loving God with all of our heart, um, we're, we're, I think we're on target when, we, when we're thinking about doing something wholeheartedly, something that, that goes down to the, the center of your being. And God wants us to love him that way. He wants all of us. He doesn't just want a performance. Um, Romans 12 verse 11 says, not lacking not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And that word fervent means to boil. Now, we're not, it doesn't mention the heart there, but I think it's the same concept of doing it wholeheartedly. God doesn't just want lukewarm love. He doesn't just want us to live in a lukewarm way. We find out what he thinks about that when we turn to the book of Revelation, don't, don't, don't we? What does he say we're going to do with it when, when we're lukewarm? You guys remember? He says, I, I, because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And um, 
generally, if we want a glass of water, we would like to either have it hot or cold, right? Not usually lukewarm. I think that was particularly true when I was young. <laughs> Paul tells us to serve our employers not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. The uh, interesting thing, though, is that this word is translated heart, but it's actually the next item on our list. It's actually the word sushi or something like that, which is translated soul. So what is the soul? It is, um, it is used to the, denote the life in someone. So um, the heart, you know, is that, that inner part of us. But our soul is, is, is more, as I could understand it, the, the life. You know, it's the life that begins in us, and then it's the life of us that extends on out into eternity. So when you think of your life, it is lived here in your body, but when you die, your life continues. It, uh, but it includes your physical life because um, it's used where Herod, when he was killing the babies, it says that he was seeking, and when he was looking for Jesus, he was seeking the young child's life. Jesus used it where he said, uh, he that saves his life will lose it. He who saves his life will lose it. Because you see, but then he goes on to say, who, 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 he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you are serving the Lord and somebody takes your head off, you're going to lose your physical life, right? But your life continues on, and, and, in, and instead of you um, living here, you'll live somewhere else. And when you are serving Jesus, what happens to you? When you serve the flesh and you live for yourself, what happens? And, you, and somebody takes your head off, what happens to you? See, there's a difference, isn't there? And so he, he tells us if we lose our life, we will find it. So that's your life. He also asks the question, what is a man profited if he gains the world and lose his soul? And that word soul is the same word. Sushi. Or something, suki, I think. Maybe sushi is that other stuff. <laughs> that stuff I don't usually eat. <laughs> to marry, he says, a sword will pierce your own soul. Again, that same word. Maybe that gives us a little bit of an idea of what that word means. It, uh, it's probably the word that, that we would um, use if we were talking about living the good life. What does that mean, to live the good life? But it, it has, it's how you, how you live your life. So, so when we love God with all of our life, what does it look like? What do you think it looks like? It means that our, our life is expended in service to him, doesn't it? I think so. 
how we live our life, we live not to ourselves, but to him who died and rose again. So we're to love God with all of our heart. We're to love him with all of our soul. But is that all? We're loving with all of our mind. And the word there is dianoium. The, uh, the concept is deep thought or with your faculty. How do you love God with your mind, with your brain? Do you know how to love God with your brain? 1 Peter says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, when, when, uh, it, when you're wearing pants, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to, to uh, tie up your skirt and uh, wrap a belt around it so that you don't get tangled up in it when you run. But when you're, when you're living in those days, you had to do something different um, so that when you were running or fighting or, or working, you didn't, uh, you didn't get your feet tangled up in things. I suppose that's the way it was anyway. And, uh, but have you, ever tried to, uh, have you ever tried to run when you didn't have a belt on? Um, and, and so, you know, gird up the loins of your mind. Get yourself tied up tight so that when, when you go to do something, you don't, uh, you know... End up the way you don't want to end up. Having their understanding darkened, another use of that word mind. So sometimes it's a negative thing, sometimes it's a positive thing. Now, uh, I found it interesting when the scribe, down at verse 33, he was repeating and he only uh, talked of three things, I believe. But, but whatever the case, um, well, maybe it was four. But anyway, he, when he repeated what Jesus said, uh, instead of using the word for, that we have here for mind, he used another word, which, which sunesis, which is sort of a mental putting things together, an intelligence. It's just another word. I don't know if it means that much different or not. But, um, but, but yeah, he used a different word anyway. That, that means something slightly different, I suppose. So Hebrews 16, verse 6, I'm sorry, 10, verse 16 says, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds, I will write them. So God is interested not only in your heart, he's interested in your mind. And uh, often when I, when I read that verse, and I think about God putting things in our heart, I think about the heart aspect, but um, I rarely think about that verse in relationship to God writing his laws in my mind. Do you think of that? Is it just me? You know, I think God wants our heart, but he also wants our mind focused on the things of God. He wants us to exercise our mind, um, to meditate, to reason, to think deeply about the things of, of God and about God's word.
I think God wants you to know why you do what you do. When, you know, when he talked about the Bereans, they said they were more noble when they heard the word of God because they went back and studied to see whether the things that they were being taught were so. I think that's what God wants of us as well. He wants us to love him and pursue him through the mind, through studying the things that he says. I think there's also other aspects of um, loving God with the mind. Psalm 111 verse 2 says, The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure in them. So when you, uh, when you study nature and when you study, um, oh my, um, there's a lots of different aspects of, of life that you can study. And as you understand the, the, um, the concepts of, of all the things that God created, it, it, um, you honor God. When you take pleasure in the things that God created, you take pleasure in him. Well, think of it this way. So you guys go out in the shop and um, you, you make some project and you bring it to the house or you, uh, you call dad or something. You say, hey, dad, look, look what I made, okay? What does it make you feel like when, when dad comes and looks at what you made? It makes you feel pretty good, don't it? And you, you ladies the same way. When you create something and you say, hey, mom, look, look at this thing that I sewed. Or look at this cake that I made. Or somebody comes and eats your cookies and it says, boy, they were the best cookies. How does it make you feel? But you see, what do you think God feels like when we admire the things that he makes? I think it's the same way. And so when we use our mind to, to honor God, that is a way of loving God with our mind. And he says to... to um, Love the Lord with your strength. That, that word uh, gives the idea of your ability, your might, your power. So how did, we, how did he use the word? Um, and uh, Paul prayed that they might understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he used in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So in that case, the word is mighty. God, he wants them to know God's mighty power. But in Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. So here we're talking about God's might, but what about your might? Well, 1 Peter 4 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability, and that word ability is the word strength, the same word as the word strength, the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified. So, so he says, I want you to love God with all of your strength. You could say with all of your muscle, right? Or how are you strong? 
Are there other aspects of strength that God gives you? And I think we could probably use the word energy. That God wants us to love him with all of our energy. And what does that mean? So you guys, if you are loving your wife with your energy, what does that look like? How does your wife understand that? So if you wash dishes, when, whether you feel like it or not, are you using your energy to love your wife? And you ladies, when you make that pie that you don't feel like making, or even that you feel like making, that's even better. Um, that, that, uh, when you make that pie and, and you surprise your husband, what, what have you done? You've loved him with your energy, right? How does it look like when we love God with our energy? Well, I think it, it, it's, it's when we do those things that matter to God. What matters to God? You know, sometimes we have choices in life and we... Um, We have so many things we can, we can wrap in a day, don't we? Do you ever run out of things to do? No hands. Wonder why. There's always more stuff to do. And sometimes you come to a choice where you know there's something that God wants you to do, but there's also something you want to do. You ever run into those? And... Um, Sometimes we have to choose, don't we? And when we choose to, to do that thing that's important to God, I believe we are loving God with our strength, with our energy. So there's God's strength, there is your strength, and... Sometimes we run into situations where God gives us something to do that's just too big. You ever run into those? So um, Gideon ran into that. And the Lord told, these are the words that God told Gideon. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? So he said, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said, Surely I will be with you. I'd like you to notice a couple of things. God told Gideon to go in his strength. Evidently, God thought Gideon had some strength. And I think when God looks at you, he sees people that have strength. You have strength. You, there's things you can do. But Gideon realized that the, the things that, that um, the thing that needed to be done was bigger than he was. And uh, I think that was reasonable. Did, uh, did Gideon really have enough power to go and defeat the Midianites? Do you remember the story? See, there was a small, let's see, was that, the, was that the one where it said the Israelites were like a small flock of kids and, uh, and the Midianites, they just filled up the whole country? Did Gideon have what it took? No. Did he have some, did he have some strength? Yeah, he did. Did he have enough? No, he didn't. And so um, 
So God was saying, I want you to go in your strength. But, he's, but he tells him something important. He says, I have sent you. Now, when God sends you to do something, do, does he give you enough of something to do it? Yes, he does. But then he, he said, surely I will be with you. And the question is, when God is with you, do you have enough strength? Yes, you do. Because God is, is strong enough. He will be with you. And so my encouragement is, is when you go and you serve God with all of your strength, remember, it's not just your strength. Use God's strength. When God is with you, you can be strong. You can't do it without him. Do it in his might. God told Abraham, he asked Abraham the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And do you know when he asked that question? It was when, it was when he told Sarah she was going to have a baby. And how old was, uh, was, how old was Abraham and Sarah? I think she was about 90 and he was 99. You know, and um, things just weren't like they were when they were young. And, 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 and God said, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. Sarah looks at, Sarah's in the tent. She's listening. She said, <laughs> ain't no way. But God heard it. And he says, uh, what did Sarah laugh for? She said, she got scared. I didn't laugh. Oh, yeah, you did. You watch. So do you think if God can make an old couple have a baby, think of the oldest couple in the church. What if, what if you knew that they were going to have a baby next year? How would that work? Some of y'all would be a little amazed, wouldn't you? Uh, if God can do that, don't you, think, don't you think that he can do anything else? I think he can. Now, I'd like us to think a little bit about being balanced. Sometimes we're a little unbalanced, and, and um, I'd just like to point out a few ways we can be a little unbalanced. You see, sometimes we attempt to love God from the heart, but we don't really want to love him with our soul and with our strength. You know, we just love him in here, but we don't really want to live our life, you know, we don't just give him our life to do with whatever he wants. Or maybe we don't, uh, you know, our strength, you know, how we, um, the things we do for God. You know, it's like we make a gospel profession and we pro pro proclaim our gratefulness to God, but uh, our life doesn't reflect it. It's not how we live and how we pour out our energy. Or sometimes we attempt to love God with our soul. Um, we, like to, we do all the things God tells us to do, but we're not really loving him with our heart, um, the deepest part of us. It's like a performance, or we're, it's, uh, it's a little bit like the rich young ruler. We, um, we, Jesus uh, Jesus uh, talked to him, and uh, he said, yeah, I've, I've, I've done all these things from the time I was young. And, and Jesus said, well, if you really want to be perfect, go sell what you have. And give to the poor and then come follow me. Now, 
it wasn't that Jesus was saying that's what everybody needs to do, but he was touching that one thing in this young man that was the, was the thing he didn't really want to give up. And sometimes that's the way we love God. We love God with all this stuff and we do all this stuff um, to, to, to try to please God, but there's one thing that we got in our pocket that we're not going to tell God about. Of course, God knows what's in there. Sometimes we love him with all of our strength. We're constantly expending our energy doing the work of God. And, um, but the other parts of our, our life are not lining up with the gospel. Or maybe our hearts are not connected to God. Maybe he seems far away and there's no real love relationship with God. Sometimes we love him with all of our heart and our soul and our strength, but we don't love him with our mind. We don't think his thoughts. We don't try to understand his word. We just have a practical relationship with God. And um, we don't use our, our, don't use our minds. Maybe our mind is spent on frivolous things or things of business or cares of this life which I suppose will affect some of the other parts of this scenario as well. And so I think God wants us to love us, love him with, with everything. But there is a, there's one thing I didn't talk much about that I think is an important part of this. I'm going to call it the missing link. And it's the word love. Now I mentioned the word love. But I didn't talk about love, did I? You see, love is a relationship. And sometimes as we, as we try to love God with our heart, and that one probably we'd have a little hard time doing without a relationship, wouldn't we? Maybe that's where the love comes in. But... Uh, we, we, you know, we, we try to do, we, we try to get all the, the, the T's dotted and the I's, well, let's see, I'm sorry, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Um, but you see, love is a relationship. And uh, the scribe told Jesus that, yes, he said, to love the Lord this way is more than all the burnt offerings. And why? Um, I want you to notice that it doesn't say that we are to serve God with all of our heart and serve God with all of our soul and serve God with all of our mind and serve God with, it says we're to love him. Because I think we can serve somebody that way but God wants more than that. He wants a relationship. He wants us to love him. You know, it's true that love is a choice. And, but think about, especially you couples, think about, um, think about your relationship to your partner. If, if you are only trying to serve them, and serving them is great, okay? That's important. But if you're only trying to serve them, 
so that they're happy with you, so that um, maybe you'll get what you want out of something. Is that really where it's at? Is that a satisfactory arrangement? No. You really want love, don't you? You want a complete relationship. Because without love, your relationship is not complete. And so when you, I'm going to pick on doing the dishes, okay? Uh, when you do the dishes, the object is not just to pacify your wife or to get something out of her. It shouldn't be anyway. Um, the objective is to build relationship. You want to, you want to have a satisfactory love and relationship with each other. And I think the same thing is, is with God. God wants more than just a performance. He wants something that goes deeper. A relationship is where both parties delight to serve the other. Do you delight to serve God? Is serving God a delight? Do you delight thinking God's thoughts with him? Do you delight giving your, your life in service to God? Would you find it exciting if God called you to, to stop what you're doing and go do something else because he has something else for you to do? <clears throat> God made us for relationship. He desires that our love begins on, begins on the inside and works its way out to the rest of our life, from our heart to our soul or our life, to our mind, that is, thinking his thoughts with him, to our strength and energy. But remember, not ours alone, but his energy within us. God bless you. Let's have a song. My dream.